So welcome again. Here comes another one of our Q&A podcasts from your friends at Books of the Year. Uh, so I'm in, still in my spare room. Matt, what, what are you in? Are you in... Um, I'm still in the loft. Yeah, I'm in the loft looking out on North London, looking fabulous in the sunshine. Okay. And, uh, and joining us again for this podcast is the one and only Anthony Horowitz. What can you see, Anthony, as you're looking out from your comfortable chair? I can see the Old Bailey and I can see just poking out of the corner of a shard. I'm in Farrington in lockdown in London. All right. Okay. So, ah, right. So if I had a copy of Nightshade, could I see your house from, from the cover of that book? Uh, actually, since I was at the top of the shard to do the research for it, I can tell you that, no, you can't, because there's a building in the way. All right. Okay. And as you've mentioned it, and I'm only taking this cue from you, the stuff in the shard in, in Nightshade is fantastic. <laughs> it was great. It is a building I've rather warmed to. When it first went up, I, I thought it was a bit of an alien intruder into London, but I look at it every single day. The other day, I have to tell you, it was, a, it was the, in the colours of the NHS, which is really a rather lovely sight. And I, I'm rather warming to it, and, and it is a wonderful icon to use at the end of the book. Uh, we're about to do the Q&A. Do you, do you think, or you, you have the most incredible output of any writer I've ever spoken to, but I wonder if, with this lockdown happening, every author in the world or anyone who aspires to be an author, is, is probably going to, you know, when we're allowed out, we'll all have about three books ready to go. I think an awful lot of people are reading in this lockdown, uh, and it is actually a wonderful time to catch up with books. I've, I've been reading myself, and, you know, there have been so many books sitting beside my bed that I've wanted to get through, and now I, finally I am. And that is, I suppose, a silver lining. Although the funny thing is, and, I, and I've spoken to other writers who said the same, it is actually quite a lot harder to write right now. You'd think it would be easier with sort of a solace, the fact that all writers have been in self-isolation all their lives anyway. But for some reason, not having life and energy and vigour and colour, people enjoying themselves in the streets, noise, vitality around you it somehow makes it harder um i can't explain why but uh, but anyway i've been writing my way through this but uh but i'm not sure I, I wonder how many new novels will come out of it so here we go with our uh, our q a session um i'll go first then matt has the second question anthony horowitz what was the last book you really really enjoyed and again the cue there is the second really because that that means it's got to really be something special well, I've just finished reading a book called The Power of the Dog by Don Winslow. And this is a game been sitting beside my desk for a long time because it's quite a big book, 600 pages about the um, drug trade in America and in Mexico, uh, the narcos and, and, and the gangsters and all the rest of it. And it's an incredibly violent book. It is extraordinarily well written. It is, it is a huge panorama. It travels across 30 odd years and um, uh, the set pieces in it, which include the most extraordinary uh, description of an earthquake in Mexico City. The power of that man's writing is incredible. And I have to ask myself, why did it take me so long to discover him? Okay, so can you just repeat the, the book and the author? And the title of the book is, is The Power of the Dog by Don Winslow. And is, is that a fictional book or non-fiction? It is very heavily based on fact, but the main characters are fictitious. Right, OK. Um, who's, your, who's the favourite writer that you've met? 
but I've met, oh, so many of them. I mean, I'm very lucky to have many, many close friends, and naming one will obviously annoy all the others. So I'll, I'll just go for two. I'll go for one of each gender. I'm, I'm very close friends with Kate Moss. Her new trilogy uh, is extraordinary. And Ian Rankin, who is, whose books, I mean, oh, everybody loves Ian Rankin. And he's enormously good company, and I see him. You know, one of the great things, one of the things I miss at the moment is not being able to go to literary festivals and to meet other writers and to get together and to chat because I've made some wonderful friends in the writing world and, and that's where we all meet. Do you have Zoom conferences, Anthony? The rest of the world seems to have Zoom conferences. Do you as well? Um, I've done a couple of Zooms for schools, uh, school visits. Uh, people have got in touch with me on Twitter and I've responded by saying I'll do Zoom sessions with them. Just this morning, I did a Zoom session for a, a friend of mine who is 70 years old today and is stuck on his own in Suffolk, which is a bit of a shame. So we arranged a surprise Zoom session. He keyed in thinking there would only be one person at the other end. In fact, there were 20 of us or so. And, and we were able to at least sing happy birthday from all over the UK, which is nice. And, and yes, I've been doing Zoom every weekend. Uh, I have quizzes and um uh, and just chats with friends it is it is the new normal zoom um so question number three in our question in our q a session here do you have a favorite place to write I think my favourite place to write is probably Orford in Suffolk. I was very tempted to stay there for the whole of a lockdown and came back to London because it was better to be with my family and there were other compelling reasons too but Orford the views are so beautiful and the the village is so it's such a pleasant friendly environment to write in and i have a tiny little house there but it's but it has a a a a, a perfect office and i think i've done more books in that room than anywhere else in the world so i'd say that is probably where i'm happiest writing but the truth is Simon, when i'm immersed in a book i can be in a cafe i can be here i can be i when i was younger i used to work in brompton cemetery in fulham because i couldn't afford i didn't have a flat with a you know a garden or anything so i used to go and work there and i have to say that was a great place to work the residents never complained and um <laughs> uh, and so so but th- these days it would be suffolk okay. is is there an author uh, anthony that you like to quote um do i quote many writers um I like to quote poetry now and then. And I think that, that, that to the, I, I, actually, that's a bad answer. I think the author I probably quote the most is Agatha Christie. Because I'm now writing murder mysteries and I'm fascinated by the fact that she was the queen of crime uh, and, and wrote so many amazing murder mystery stories, often I find myself in my um, Atticus Punt novels, just to say Magpie Murders and the soon-to-be-published Moonflower Murders, quoting her books, her titles, her methodology, and even occasionally, rather sneakily, some of her characters. It's, you know, there's a very narrow line between quoting somebody and idolising them and stealing from them, and I try not to, to, to cross that line. Is there a book, Anthony, that always cheers you up? Tintin, always the Tintin books. I return to those with enormous pleasure. Read them when I was a boy, still read them now. They always make me smile. The jokes still are as good as when they were written. And the other series, a series I've just finished actually reading um, a couple of books out of it, and I probably will go the whole way through it, are the Flashman books, George MacDonald Fraser. And they are a wonderful tonic to the times we live in because, first of all, they're an amazingly detailed um, historical fiction. Uh, he really knew his period, which is sort of the Victorian age, the reign of Queen Victoria. 
Victoria with the Crimean War and all the other great things, the Indian Mutiny and, and, and uh, the Afghan War. You know, all these different sort of the, these different huge events, even the Battle of the Little Bighorn is in there and all these historical people who keep turning up. They are a great book to revisit. I find that books that you enjoyed when you were young are always worth revisiting when you're old because, first of all, they remind you of where you've come from and of your youth. And secondly, you see them with a new, more mature eye and it's interesting to compare your vision now with your vision then. So uh, there are two, Tintin and Flashman. I love the Flashman, but I, I discovered them very late, but they're very, very funny. Um, when was the last time you used a public library, Anthony? I, I will disappoint you with that answer because I don't often go to public libraries. Um, I used to use the British Library Reading Room an awful lot when I was writing Foyle's War, but I'm afraid... I find that uh, it's easier to just get the information I need on the internet or to buy books and to have books. You know, for every book I write, I normally buy half a dozen for Foyle's War. It'd be at least four or five books per episode, which I would read in the library. I couldn't buy them. They weren't available. So I tend to buy books rather than using libraries as much as I support libraries, uh, of course. But, but, but generally speaking, they just don't quite fit my, my way of work. So the next question is about series of books, Anthony, as someone who's written many series, not just the Alex Ryder series, there's the Power of Five series and the Diamond Brothers series and, so, and, and, and others. Is there a series of books that you have enjoyed more than any other? Well, the obvious and easy answer to that is James Bond, of course. I mean, you know, I, I'm looking here at my collection on the shelf in front of me um, and they are just a sheer pleasure. And again, books that I revisit, particularly when I'm writing a James Bond book, I always start by rereading the whole lot. So I suppose the answer to that would have to be Bond in the, in the first one. I mean, you know, Dickens, on my shelf, again, looking away, my voice, I hope not straying too far from the microphone, I can see just along six inches away from Bond is all of Charles Dickens. And I've read Dickens twice in my life, at least three times some of those books. And, and again, the reason great literature is great is because it appeals to you and it touches you at different times in your life in different ways. Every time you go back to those books, you find something different in them. And with Dickens, um, you know, his attitude to women, his sentimentality, his his mastery of plot, his, his use of comedy, you react to them in different ways each time you read them. And so... On the shelves, right in front of me now, James Bond, a constant pleasure, Dickens, the backbone of my life. Can I just say before Matt does the, this final question, if you've got Dickens and Fleming next to each other, it, do you, does that mean to say you've got your books arranged alphabetically? Um, no, Fleming is actually first and Dickens is next. What oh. I, my books are arranged, since you ask, my book, I don't like uh, arranging books alphabetically or by size or anything. My books are largely arranged by how passionate I am about them, how much they mean to me. And so the books that I love the most are the ones in the best spots. So where are the ones that you and don't from, quite love then? Where, where are they? Uh, oh, in other rooms. Every room in the house has <laughs> books. But since, since we're talking about books, I will tell you that underneath the um, bond, just to let you know, are the Flashmans. So there they all are. The, what we've been talking about are in my eyesight now. So we've, we've talked a lot about fiction. Uh, this is a question about non-fiction, really. Do you have a favourite autobiography or biography? Anything by Ben McIntyre. I find his books absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, Zigzag Man was one of my favourite books ever written. Uh, and was, I wanted to use it as a, um, a basis for um, Foyle's War episode, but um, he did it so brilliantly. I, have got a, I think it's called A Gentleman and a Traitor is on my next to read pile. Which we, we, had him on the, we had him on the podcast to talk about that. It's absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I can't wait to start it. That's the next book by my bed. 
It's brilliant. I mean, the thing about that book, I think we made this point when Ben was on the podcast, is that you, you stop every now and again to, to remind yourself that you're, what you're reading is, is a piece of history as opposed to a piece of fiction, because the way he's written that story makes you just, it's like it's a page-turning thriller. Yeah, he's very, very good. I mean, it's it's very rare to find somebody who can just take facts and the history and not not break away from it, but but somehow make it live through the use of language, by the way he describes characters, by his narrative devices. I mean, they do, as you correctly say, read like thrillers. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, we've come to the end of our questionnaire, Anthony. Just before we let you go, is there a project that you're working on which is so exciting and mysterious that you can't really tell us anything about it. So I know you've got series uh, that are up and running because uh, you've mentioned those in both of our podcasts that people can, and there's always some interesting Anthony Horowitz projects coming up. Have you got something that's completely different and something that's completely new that you're thinking, I can't wait until I get to that? Well, as you, since you mentioned it, just before I began this interview with you, I pressed the send button on 12 scripts who went whizzing into outer space and hopefully landed on the other side of the Atlantic, which is um, a TV series for a company that has just launched called Quibi. I'm sure you know about Quibi, uh, Simon. They are doing short-form dramas, which will be screened on your mobile phone. Um, so each episode is only 10 minutes long. And the idea is you can sort of take your entertainment in bite-sized installments, but, you know, when you're in your lunch break at work or on the, on the bus going to work or whatever, wherever you fancy it. And this excites me for two reasons. The first is it's Quibi is run by Jeffrey Katzenberg, one of the most impressive people in Hollywood and a real sort of, uh, you know, he's, a, he's an old friend of Spielberg and, and Spielberg is also writing one of these shows for him. So it's a very, very interesting house to be. Secondly, this is a comp- completely new format. It's for me, after all these years, someone has given me a completely different way of telling stories. In that instead of taking the sort of the 46 minutes you got on ATV or the 58 minutes, which is an episode on BBC, I have got literally eight minutes to tell my story. So that completely changes all the rules. Added to which, I came up with a knockout title, which I'm not allowed to tell you, and a fantastic plot, which I also can't tell you, but that was inside your question, (laughs) things I'm not allowed to talk about. And that's why it's an easy choice for me, that I can't wait for this show to be be made, and I hope it'll get made this year. And um, and I just don't know where it'll take me, but it's the beginning of a new adventure. And I've always said that writing isn't an adventure. That's how you've got to see it. It's sort of a, a rolling ever-changing, um, unpredictable adventure. And, and that, I think, is what books are and what, and what all the work I do is and, and what my life has really be, been for all these years. You're not slowing down, are you, Anthony? I keep meaning to, but somehow it never happens. <laughs> well, long may, long may you continue because we love your stories and we love you coming on the show. Thank you very much, Steve, for talking to us. It's been a total pleasure. Thanks, Simon, and you, Matt. Both of you keep safe, keep well. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.